0: So this week, we begin a new series focusing on the book of Exodus. Now, Exodus is a long book with 40 chapters. It will take us all the way until next year in order to finish this entire book. So we will intersperse this long series with other topics to add to the overall spiritual diet of the word in Grace Assembly. Although it will be a long journey to cover Exodus, I can guarantee you that it will also be a very exciting one to see Yahweh's power and presence guiding the Israelites out of Egypt into the Promised Land. Now, furthermore, you will see the supernatural worldview of Yahweh inflicting His power, His punishment upon the gods of Egypt. So with this, let me dive right now into God's Word for today. The title for today's sharing is SHN, Dedicated Facility. Stay home notice, dedicated facility. The big idea for this week is God has a purpose and plan even though we may not understand His ways and timing. So with that, let me jump into Exodus chapter 1 now. Exodus chapter 1 verse 1 says this, These are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob, each with his household. Verse 2, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, or Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, and Nathalie, Gad, and Esher. All the descendants of Jacob were 70 persons. Joseph was already in Egypt. Now Exodus, as many of you know, is a continuation from the book of Genesis. Now, the first five verses in Exodus chapter 1 inform us that Jacob and his 12 sons, a total of 70 of them, they went into Egypt. Of course, the question here is this, why? Why did Jacob and his sons relocate to Egypt? Of all places surrounding the land of Canaan, why Egypt? Of all the people group, why was the family of Jacob featured in this narrative here from Genesis to Exodus? Now, to fully appreciate what God was doing through Jacob's family, we will need to revisit some important episodes in the book of Genesis. Now, the starting point for the story of Israel or the story of Jacob is found in Genesis chapter 12. Many of you are familiar with this verse, Genesis 12, and that is a starting point for Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the formation of Israel as a nation. Now let's read Genesis 12 now. Genesis 12:1 says this. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go forth from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. Now say with me together right now, great nation. It will be a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Say with me one more time, blessing. In verse 3, it says, I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, this is the well-known Abrahamic covenant where Yahweh started a brand new nation through Abraham. We know that. And if you recall from sermons number 8 and 9 from the Supernatural Realm series, we learn that Yahweh assigned the nations to the sons of God, but He chose Israel to be His own. Now, let's recall this passage as well in Deuteronomy 32. Where well, in Deuteronomy 32, is explained very clearly in verse 8 and 9. It says this, When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when He divided mankind, He fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. But the Lord's portion is His people. Jacob, or Israel, His allotted Heritage. Now, to fulfill Yahweh's plan for a new nation, Abraham was chosen in Genesis 12. And we know that through Abraham's lineage came Isaac, and from Isaac came Jacob and Esau. And then we know in the story that Yahweh then affirmed and continued the covenant with Jacob. And out from Jacob came his 12 children. And although the family size of Jacob could not make them into a great nation as yet, but we can see very clearly, right, that Yahweh's blessing upon Jacob's family was very evident. Now, the story of the 12 children continue. And we know that the 12 children turned tragic when Joseph, the second youngest son of Jacob, was sold into slavery by his older brothers. Why did such a tragic event happen to young Joseph? Well, in his foreknowledge, Yahweh redeemed this tragic event to use Joseph to save his family many years later in Egypt. You see, church, Yahweh orchestrated events that led to Joseph's promotion from a slave to the second-in-command of Egypt just below Pharaoh in power and status. And God had a plan. Yahweh had a plan that Joseph and his family did not understand. They didn't understand what God was doing. They didn't fully understand His timing. Eventually, Jacob and his entire family left for Egypt because Joseph could provide food and shelter for them in Egypt during the famine. Now, you may be asking right now, You say, but pastor, why was it so important for God to preserve Jacob's family? Well, the answer is very simple. If Jacob's family were to die of famine, then Yahweh's plan for a new nation unto himself would not be possible. Remember the Abrahamic covenant? So that was still in play. So through God's anointing upon Joseph's leadership, Yahweh, brought deliverance from a seven-year severe famine to Egypt as well as to Jacob's entire family. And you must understand that Yahweh's idea, Yahweh, God himself, his idea was not just to save Egypt alone, but through Egypt's enormous resources, God wanted to preserve Jacob's family. You see, many of us here, those of us who have been in church for a while, we are familiar with Joseph's story, isn't it? And we are fascinated with his ascent to power. God intervened and enabled Joseph to journey from the pit to the prison and from the prison to the palace. We know the story. God's mighty deliverance and promotion came in Joseph's hopeless situation. Now, in our fascination with, with Joseph's life, have we ever wondered, what God was actually doing through him. As we focus on Joseph's life story, church, let's not miss God's bigger narrative. You see, no matter how amazing Joseph's life story was, we must never miss God's salvation plan for humanity through Abraham's descendants, Israel. You see, church, ever since the Babel story in Genesis 11, the nations we know, were, they were dispersed. And Yahweh wanted Israel to draw all nations back to Himself. However, before Yahweh could draw the nations back to Himself, church, we know that Israel had to be formed. And by elevating Joseph in Egypt and preserving Jacob's family, Yahweh was setting the stage. He was setting the stage for Jacob's family to become a nation. Not just a nation, but a great nation. Yes, without a doubt, Joseph's ascent in power in Egypt, especially in the political hierarchy, was astounding. But the greater narrative was that through Joseph in Egypt, Yahweh, could provide the resources, the safe place for Israel to grow, to become a powerful nation. Now, I'm sure many of us here have heard sermons focusing on Joseph's amazing life story, isn't it? Out from this fascinating story, many of us have prayed, like myself, I prayed before, and some of us here may have prayed and desired to be a modern-day Joseph. And for the ladies, a modern-day Josephine. And to be a modern-day Joseph or Josephine who has God's favor and wisdom to be successful in the marketplace. I mean, if you ask me, who doesn't want to be successful, right? In our careers, in the marketplace, in our school. But do you know, church, that success is not God's start or end point for us? Let me say one more time. Success is not God's start or end point for us. Success is an avenue through which God's plan is to be fulfilled. Let me explain that through Joseph's life story now. If you were to examine the scriptures, you would see that Joseph started his life journey with much pain, rejection, and suffering before any success in his life. And many of us only focus on Joseph's success story without realizing that his character formation stage is equally necessary, albeit excruciating. Some may even pray, some of us, we know of the story and some of us may even pray that, that to we pray to God, say, God, we want the favor, we want the success, God, but we don't want the trials and sufferings that Joseph had. That one, you can keep it to Pastor Larry. For us, we just want the success and blessing, of God. Yet, the formation of character through suffering and pain is necessary before success can come. You see, church, in, in His sovereign wisdom, God used the trials and suffering in Joseph's life to mature and to forge His character. Every trial, every pain, Facilitated Joseph's flaws to be chiseled away from his life. God was dealing with him. God was using trials and pain to chisel away those parts in Joseph's life that did not align to God. And as you go through your pains, your trials, and your challenges in life, church, allow God to form your character where it is needed and necessary. Church, be patient with God's molding process because He's forming you. He's forming you for your destiny. God is doing that right now in some of your lives. And I believe, church, that God is more interested in you than the success that you can achieve for Him. God is more interested in you than in all the things you can do for Him. Now, don't be anxious for success, but allow God to do something deeper in your character. You see, without integrity and godly character, success success can actually lead you far, far away from God. And therefore, a godly character will allow you to enjoy the fruit of your success with God for the long term. Can somebody say amen? So for all the modern-day Joseph and Josephines among us, know that success... Is not God's starting point for us. God's starting point for you is character formation. So type in the chat right now, for those of you who are online, type in the chat right now, character formation. That's right, that's what God wants to do in your life. But let me also say as well that success is also not God's end point for us as well. If you look at Joseph's life story, success was not God's angle for him. You now, many of the time, many times you look at Joseph's story and we say, "Yeah, God gave him success at the end of his life." I, I, I want to give you another perspective now. Success was not God's angle for him. Success, you see, Joseph's success in Egypt was for him to be the channel through which God could preserve his father his siblings, so that together they could establish the nation of Israel. Success in Joseph's career was not God's end point for him. It was through Joseph's life success that God fulfilled his purpose and plan to form a great nation. That was God's objective. For everyone who wants to be a successful modern day Joseph and Josephine, please know that success is not the end game for you as well. You see, church, when God gives you the success of wealth, reputation, power, and knowledge, know that success is the channel, the channel, the avenue through which God's purpose and plan can come. To pass. Joseph's life success was for the formation of the nation of Israel. Your life success today is for the kingdom of God. I submit to you today your success today is for the kingdom of God. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you regarding your life and your success in the marketplace, in your studies, in all that happened to you. Allow God to show you what He wants you to do with the success that He has already given you. Because success without divine purpose is meaningless. Why do I say that? Because you can have all the wealth and riches in the world today. How much of them can you bring to heaven with you? In you know, all of us here, we know that one day we will stand before God. One day. It's either sooner or later, right? And when the day comes, how will you define success before God? Do you think that our success on earth will impress God? Say, God, look at all my successes, all the titles I've achieved on earth. Aren't you impressed with them? Do you think God will be impressed? Do you think God has ensign that He has forgotten that He gave you all of that? Do you think that we can present all our earthly achievements and possessions to God to impress Him? What do you think will be your conversations with God when you stand before Him? I believe that the conversations will, will be on how faithful we have been in stewarding our successes on earth for His purpose. Church, I believe that success is not the start or the end point for us. Success is but the avenue through which God can use you for His purpose and plans on earth. Can somebody say amen? Can somebody say amen? God has not called us to be successful on earth, but He has definitely called us to be faithful. And when we are found faithful to what God has assigned us on earth, his purpose and agenda. I believe that as you stay faithful, God will bring success to you and through you. And that's what I really believe as I look at the life story of Joseph, that God used him and Joseph stewarded what God has given him for God's purpose and plan. So for those of you who are online right now, can you type in your chat room right now, type in there, be faithful. That's right, Be faithful. For those of you on-site town neighbors right now next to you, be faithful. Let me also take the opportunity to, to address some wrong teachings regarding the prosperity gospel. You know, the prosperity gospel propagates that because you are a child of God, God will bless you with health and wealth for you to enjoy your life on earth. Now, as we have examined the scriptures just now, we see that Yahweh's blessing upon Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was for them to become a powerful nation. Bear in mind that God's blessing on them was for the formation of Israel. And I explained earlier that through Israel, the nations of the world could return to Yahweh. So Yahweh's blessing intent was for the formation of His chosen people, Israel. God had a greater purpose, a bigger narrative. And God's purpose and plan we're always at the forefront of those whom He blessed. Now, however, the prosperity gospel propagates success without divine purpose. It's just for you. All the blessing for you is for you to enjoy life. It propagates that wealth without stewardship. Stewardship for God. It propagates health without suffering. And in this wrong belief, you will see a false gospel without Christ, but one that's full of humanism. Church, you must understand that humanism focus is all about me. What I can get out of this, what God can give me, what I can get out because I believe in Jesus Christ. That's humanism. All about me, never about God's purpose. But the Bible teaches us very clearly, blessing and success upon believers are avenues. Avenues through which God establishes Accomplishes his purpose and plan on earth. So, do I believe that God blesses his children? Definitely, I do. With all my heart, I believe God blesses his people. But let's be clear as well, biblically, scripturally, God blesses us so that we can be his vessel to fulfill his purpose and plan. It's never about me, but always about God, about his purpose. Through my life, through your life, through your family, through all that your hands will touch. Can somebody say amen? So coming back to the story of Joseph one more time, we know that it was Yahweh's plan for the entire clan of Jacob to be settled in Egypt. But church, you must understand that the formation of Israel in Egypt would not be a painless one. Why? Because God prophesied it. In Genesis 15, in Genesis 15, verse 13, he says this, Then the Lord said to Abraham, Know for certain that your offspring... Now, remember, this is in Genesis 15, way before Exodus. Huh? The Lord said to Abraham, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in the land that is not theirs, and there will be servants there. And they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve. And afterward, they shall come out with great possession. Now, if you read this passage, right, you will see very clearly that Egypt was a necessity for Israel. Egypt became the crucible of growth for Israel. It was a place for both numerical and spiritual growth. And for the rest of today's sermon, we'll focus on Israel's numeric growth. Because in Exodus 1, verse 6 and 7, it says this, Then Joseph died, and all his brothers, and all that generation. Verse 6 basically means everyone died in that generation, okay? Verse 7. Now, verse 7 is very interesting. It says here, But the people of Israel were fruitful, Even though the previous generations had died, it says that the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. And they multiplied and grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them. Now, you must understand, church, before any family can become a nation, that family must grow in strength and numbers. So many of you will understand this example I'm going to give you right now. Now, in my family, there are five of us. Three kids, myself, my wife, five of us. I cannot call my family of five, right? The two nation. Just because I want to form my own country, right? You guys will be laughing. Okay? What is this? This guy's crazy, you know? Five people want to form a nation. This guy. And the same is true, isn't it, for Jacob's family? Before they could become a great nation, they had to grow. They had to multiply to a sizable force. And for Israel to become exceedingly strong in numbers, they would require resources and a safe place to grow. As a well-resourced nation and a military power in ancient history, Egypt became that ideal safe place for a clan of 70 people to become a great nation. And Yahweh used four 100 years in Egypt to bring about exponential growth among the Israelites. And in verse 7 that we just read, it declares that Yahweh had fulfilled His promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that their descendants would be like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. So what Yahweh had promised in the book of Genesis as you read verse 7 right now, God had fulfilled. Can someone say amen? What was promised God would do? And for many Israelites, you must understand too that the 400 years in Egypt was a long time. And I believe that some of them might have even considered Egypt to be their promised land. Many Israelites who have spoken Egyptian languages, their dialects, embraced a culture and set the comfortably in Egypt. But church, you must understand that Egypt was never Yahweh's permanent place of home for Israel. Egypt was but a dedicated facility for the exponential growth. Yahweh then allowed heavy afflictions upon the Israelites, through Pharaoh, through the Egyptians, to revive the desire for their promised land. There is a powerful, this itself is a powerful reminder for all of us to learn from Israel's affliction in Egypt. As believers of Jesus Christ, we must never forget that our journey on earth is also not permanent. Church, there is a better place for us beyond our current earthly dwelling. Because in John chapter 14, the Lord says this very clearly. And these are the words of Jesus. He says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Our Lord Jesus said this. In verse 2, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I that I go to prepare a place for you there. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you will or you may be also. Powerful promise because God's word tells us that Christ has prepared a better place for us with him. Church, there is eternity after our journey on earth. That is our eternal hope. We must not live our lives as if everything ends on earth where there's no eternity after our journey here. We have a hope. We are people of hope. In our journey on earth, we must be ready that afflictions will come our way. Afflictions such as sicknesses, loss of loved ones, or crisis in our home, in our business that that are beyond our control. And church, when such afflictions come our way, we must never lose heart. Like the Israelites in Egypt, let every affliction remind us that our journey on earth is not permanent. Let every affliction remind us that we are but pilgrims passing through earth and being perfected for eternity. Every trial, every affliction comes into our lives to strengthen, to mature, and to prepare us for eternity. And often, God allows afflictions to surface what's really deep, deep in our hearts. You know, some of us may not appreciate afflictions, but I want you to know that we need them. We need them to show us the formational areas that will help us to become more like Christ. You know, when a health crisis hits you, what does that sickness show you about yourself? When there is a business crisis that you are handling right now, what does it show you about your convictions and integrity? Would you compromise or would you not? When there is a family crisis, what does it show you about your sense of worth and identity? You know, during this pandemic, what does it show you about your confidence and faith in God? Because in these afflictions and crises, what are the fears and anxieties that have surfaced and you need to bring it before God? I know that some of us here, we are going through afflictions right now in this pandemic. In your afflictions, hold on to God and let Him strengthen your character, deepen your dependence and increase your faith in Him. For the Israelites, even though they were Yahweh's chosen nation, God permitted decades of affliction to form and to mature them. And similarly, church, allow God to form and mature you through the afflictions of life. You know, personally, I have learned so much from the pandemic's afflictions on us as we move towards the endemic stage of our fight against COVID-19. It has been one and a half years now in this fight in our nation by many of us here as well. You know, the pandemic has afflicted me physically, emotionally, and spiritually. You know, this pandemic is, is the greatest challenge I have ever faced in, in all my years of ministry. This is my 25th year right now in ministry, coming to now. It's the toughest in all my years of ministry. Many Christians have said, you know, every time I see them face to face or online, many Christians have said to me, "said Pastor, you have aged over the last one and a half years leading the church." And when they say it, right, I actually feel that yeah, I think I've aged. I have more wrinkles right now on my face, on my ear, on my, on my eyes. Have I? Do I feel like aged? I do. For sure, that the pandemic has taken a physical toll on me as I had to navigate the constant changes while keeping my bearing on the future direction of where we are heading. Every time there is a directive from MCCY, it, it, it is a lot of navigating to do while not forgetting where we're heading. While balancing the current with the future, I have to clock long hours working from home to cope with the demands of ministry. And maybe because of those long hours, I have aged fiscally. Emotionally, it's a tough time Tough time to lead a multi-generational church of 71 years when there are constant uncertainties and fear of the pandemic You see church, a multi-generational church like ours means that we have multi-generational needs among us Every time the church leadership decides on the special needs of the church We have to consider the many, many options and ramifications across congregations of different ages from the youngest to the oldest and across languages from Chinese, English, Hokkien, Filipino So many things to consider It's emotional for me when we cater to the spiritual needs of one group knowing that it will be an opportunity cost for other groups. It's emotional for me when I know that we cannot bring parents with their young children back to our church premises for the last one and a half years. My fear is that we are losing the next generation, the teens, those in the Emerge Ministry and the Elevate. That's my concern. It's emotional for me. When I hear the cries of parents, not able to have their kids connected with their peers in growing together in a faith community. is very emotional. It's very emotional for me if, if we were to have another cluster in Grace Assembly again, regardless of all the safety measures that we have put in place. Emotionally, it's draining leading through this pandemic. Very draining. Spiritually, the pandemic has shown me areas that I need to depend on God even more. The pandemic has surfaced areas of my fears, my anxieties that I need to kneel before God daily to release to Him. I realise that I don't need to be in control all the time as long as my God is in control. And as long as God is in control, I must allow Him to lead and direct even when there is uncertainty. To let God be in control, I have spent much more time in prayer, seeking His face for the church, for my my family, for myself. I say, God, how do we do this? Even though it has been a challenging one and a half years for me, I have grown. Yes, more lines on my faces, but I have matured in allowing God to be in the driver's seat even though I've aged physically, I've also grown in wisdom and leadership and handling crisis. Even though I went through the constant emotional roller coaster ride through this pandemic, I've learned to seek God's face for clarity of purpose even more, much more. In the midst of all the noise, in the midst of all the constant changes, the clarity of purpose. Spiritually, I have learned that I'm not in control. God is. God must be in control. Therefore, I can truly declare today, I can declare that God has a purpose and plan even though I may not understand His ways and timing for me. Amen. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank You. Thank You for showing us the one true God who fulf- You are the one true God who fulfils Your will. What You have promised, You will do. Help us always to trust You, even when we don't fully understand Your ways and timings in our lives, Oh God. Help us, oh God, to trust You fully, to have believing loyalty in You, never to be shaken, but always trusting, always believing, and always awaiting the better future ahead of us. Hallelujah. We every head bow and every eye close on-site, and also for those of you who are online, some of you here, you have asked the Lord to use you to be a Joseph or Josephine in the marketplace before. You have asked God to bless you with success. But today, as you hear God's Word, you realise that success is but an avenue through which God can use you for His purpose. Success is not the start Or the end point in your life Your successful life Is for God To use you to fulfill His purpose His agenda on earth. And today You want God To use you to fulfill His purpose His plan through your life If that's your desire Wherever you are right now On site, online I want you to lift your hands to Him And say, God, that's me Use my life for your purpose and plan, God Thank you Thank you, many hands, thank you, thank you, many hands, many hands among us, thank you. Say, God, for your purpose and plan, use my life. For some of you here today, you may need God to show you His purpose in the midst of your success. You've experienced success, but in in the midst of it all, you realize that, but what do I do with it? And you need God's purpose. You need the revelation of God's purpose into your life. If that's you, You say, God, lift your hands to Him and say, God, show me your purpose, Father. God, show me your purpose. Lift your hands to Him right now. Say, God, show me. Thank you. Many hands. Thank you. On on site, lift your hands to Him right now. Online, you lift your hands to Him and say, God, that's me. Show me, oh God. Show me, Father. Hallelujah. Another group of you, you're going through a difficult time because of the afflictions of life afflictions of sicknesses, challenges in your career, or even crisis in the home front. You may not fully understand the reason for these afflictions, but regardless of the situation you're saying today, Lord, Lord Jesus, I may not fully understand, but in my afflictions, strengthen my character, deepen my dependence, and increase my faith in You. If that's You, Lift your hands to Him all over this place right now. Online, site. lift your hands and say, God, strengthen deeper and increase my faith in You. That's right, hallelujah. Many hands. That's right, lift your hands to Him right now. Say, God, that's me. Lord, I respond to Your Word. I respond to Your Spirit. I respond to what You are saying to me right now. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, You see the hands that are raised among us, both onsite and online. Touch Your people, oh God, and let them trust You even when we cannot understand the situation oh God enable us oh God to trust you your timing your plans and all that you have for us as we journey through our life's journey on earth Lord Jesus we declare that we will trust you when we don't understand when we don't have the answers and we can't see the future but we know you are the one who holds the future our believing Lordy in you is all that matters. Lord, thank you. We ask and pray all of this in Jesus' powerful name.